Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our latest podcast. This has been recorded on Tuesday, the 11th of July. John and Robert are joining me um, for a lively debate. And inflation is still a hot topic. We've got the US inflation figure out tomorrow, which everybody's waiting for. And then we have another inflation figure next week. Mortgage rates now are back at 6.6%, which is where they were in October following the um, mini budget. And John, this morning, we wake up to read that there's significant wage pressure still of 7.3%. I guess that that comes as no surprise to, to us. Well, no, you've got structural inflation back in the system. So... That's why you've got those kind of numbers coming through. Only the Bank of England couldn't see it. Yes, the word transitory is not being used anymore. And as we've said for a long time, interest rates are going to stay higher for longer because inflation, as you say, is embedded. Maybe they should have been listening to our podcast. Yes, maybe they should. It really wasn't that difficult. This is what happens when you know the cat gets out of the bag. Getting inflation back under control when you have willfully allowed it to escape is one heck of a job. And um, those of us with with memories that go back to, you know, the 1970s can remember how difficult it was. But uh, when you look at Bailey and his committee and what they've done, they believe their own hype. The problem is a stitch in time, you know, would have saved nine, wouldn't it? But it's just not the way these people think. And the fact that they were so dilatory and delayed so long means that the problem they've got to deal with is now far bigger than it would have been and should have been. There are unintended consequences, of course. I mean, uh, people now are very worried about how high interest rates uh, will go. And people with mortgages are actually breaking their mortgage and they're remortgaging now in the fear that interest rates might have to go up significantly more. Giving out mixed messages, giving out the wrong messages is causing an awful lot of problems out there. It's not that long ago, Bailey was, and Carney before him, they were trying to steer markets in terms of giving guidance. Well, they've stopped doing that. But the point was, was that they were trying to give guidance in order to, in essence, deliver clarity. Their incompetence has now delivered chaos. And now they don't give guidance anymore, do they? Because they don't know what they're doing. And their their so-called guidance has been shown to be so far wide of the market isn't worth talking about. So this is what happens when people who are clueless are given the job. So the next meeting of the Bank of England, I think, is in August. Robert, what are you going for with interest rates? Another half a percent rise or do you think it'd be more modest? I'm pretty sure a half percent rise would be the way ahead, but Central bankers are central bankers. I mean, <laughs> they could meddle around and put a quarter percent, um, but I think half percent. John? Um, I'll go a quarter. They have to look like they're doing something. They have to make it look like they know what they're doing, even when they don't. So I think they'll go a quarter. They'll have to do something. But quite clearly, I think you can see, even though structural inflation is back in the system, I think you can see it now starting to, um, you know, interest rate rises are taking a toll on the economy. And um, so they've got to do something, but I don't think they'll want to be accused of doing too much at this moment in time. And of course, from an investment point of view, bonds are still becoming becoming slightly more attractive. They've got better yields, but obviously you've got the the monkey on the back being the inflation eroding the real value of of those bonds. I'm still not inclined to be investing in fixed interest 
bonds at this moment in time? No, I, th- I think I would agree. You, you need to believe that the yields that, that, that are now popping up, you need to believe that the inflationary situation is moving in the right direction and that you can kind of envisage that terminal level of inflation, if you want to call it that, can square with these kind of rates. Now, there's an awful lot still going on in the world that you know I'm not sure. I, I think inflation is, at the moment, it's going to be coming down. The problem is how much structural inflation has leached into the system. That is the difficulty. We've also got the issue, which all Western governments have, that they're all spending far too much in terms of what they spend versus what they're taking in in terms of taxation. So in order to square that circle, I suspect that they're going to have to come back to the printing press at some point, and that's going to be inflationary, unless they're going to try and get their houses in order and live within their means. I think that's going to be very, very difficult to do. Let's look at the whole Russian situation. That has sparked a an increase in defence expenditure that is going to have to be maintained. So that's just another problem. Where are they going to find all the resources? My guest says the printing press has not gone away. So, John, squaring the circle, I don't think that any government is going to do that itself on its own. I think the only way it's going to do that is if there is intervention from the IMF or something like that at some point. I mean, these inflation, wage and pressure inflation figures this morning are awful, but it shouldn't come as a surprise when the public sector are getting 15% pay rises. And some of them are even striking because 15% isn't enough. To me, the only way we're going to get our house in order is if the public sector in the first instance stops giving pay rises. I hate to break it to some people, but it's the private sector that pays for the public sector. And the private sector isn't getting wage increases like that. So in reality, how can one beget the other? Difficult times ahead. And the other thing which I read yesterday was about uh, Jeremy Hunt's pension reforms. As I see it, he's wanting to try and get more and more people to invest in startup businesses. And I think the quote I saw was to create the next Silicon Valley by investing in fast-growing startups, smaller companies, etc. I have to say that just sounds like a recipe for disaster. Is that what pensions should be involved in? Is that not private equity, for example, should be investing in? There is the risk that you know, people believe that they're putting money into their pensions and they might end up with private equity style risk in those kind of businesses. To me, it just smacks of sort of dim-witted politician speak. It's a gimmick. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with trying to invest in the winners of tomorrow or high-tech, fast-growing businesses. But a lot of fast-growing businesses can suddenly become slow-growing businesses or businesses that don't exist at all. Just look at all the stuff that's been going on recently in terms of funding rounds in tech businesses that were worth X and suddenly they're worth a tenth of X, Klarna, all, all these kind of businesses. So just committing capital to the tech sector is no guarantee of a successful investment. And for most pension type investments, I'm not sure that that is really appropriate. John, I don't want my pension fund or my client's pension funds being invested in the winners of tomorrow because I think they're very, very difficult to find. I want to be invested in the the winners of today. For instance, Unilever. So long as Unilever doesn't become 
grossly overvalued. You know, I like the, the short product cycle of Magnum ice creams and Dove skincare and Hellman's mayonnaise and the market positions that that business has. So that's the kind of thing that I would feel um, much more comfortable with. I think that's a very good point. I prefer my pension fund, and indeed it is invested in the likes of Unilever, to have shares that have got proven records over long periods of time. And indeed, I want to own an asset where they make money from things I understand, like soap. I don't understand derivatives, let's say. Well, I do understand them, but I wouldn't want to be invested in them. So let's keep it simple, plain vanilla. Haven't we just got a recent case in history when Woodford set up Woodford Patient Capital and he was looking for the winners of tomorrow, mainly in pharmaceuticals, admittedly. But let's just remind everybody, people put a pound in that and now it's worth 15 pence in the pound. That's an 85% loss. You do not want that with your pension fund. And remember that when your pension fund is invested, all these companies like Unilever are paying lovely dividends, which accumulate and are reinvested. These startups are highly unlikely to pay any dividends in the short term. Woodford is a case in point in that he came to the market as as an income fund manager and then totally shifted the goalposts to try and get involved in stuff that was very kind of private equity type based stuff. And look what happened. You are going to have an attrition rate in those kind of businesses. And once that attrition rate goes beyond a certain point, it will destroy your returns. I'm not really with Jeremy Hunt. I don't think that the answer to higher growth businesses is going to be found by deploying people's pension funds. It sounds like a gimmick. Well, nine of the biggest insurance companies are backing him and they're putting billions of pounds into into these startups, etc. More they've agreed to. My money says 10, 20 years down the, the line, there'll be yet another mis-selling scandal. That's why we don't generally buy insurance companies. Good businesses or businesses with a future, there aren't that many of them. But the market will usually work out which ones they are and which ones they aren't. If a politician is trying to lever investors metaphorical arms up their back to do a certain thing to me that's an alarm bell and as i say a gimmick well just going back to pension funds again but something slightly different of course we've seen the debacle with thames water thames water came to the stock market 35 years ago with no debt the company has gone through various hands, etc. And all the people, all the companies which have owned it, layered it with debt. And that debt, it now amounts to something like £14 billion. And the company's struggling. So there was a Canadian pension fund and the University Superannuation Fund agreed yesterday to put another £750 million to keep the company above water. What's more is they've said that more money is going to be needed to get decent returns from Thames Water. I mean, it is possible it might go into liquidation. Another business to be saved by the government. There's a more fundamental question here, which is that business has been loaded with debt. It's a regulatory business, so it's got caps on the returns on capital that it's able to secure. So really, it's like every level of regulation in this country, it's, it's useless. So where was off what, where all this was going on? 
why did Ofwat not say, we don't like that capital structure? Because in the event of a refinancing, if rates double, for example, then where does that leave you? What's your plan? But they obviously never did that. So they're charged with overseeing an industry. And he's not the only regulator, as, I, as I've just said. I think regulation in this country is useless. So the regulator should have been there to say, no, we are not going to permit you to rack up 14 billion of debt because in the event of a sudden and substantial increase in interest rates, you've got a serious problem. Um, So they were allowed to do it by a regulator that was totally asleep. So many thanks for listening once again. You generally hear pretty cynical views from us, and why wouldn't they be cynical? There's lots out there to be cynical about. We want you to continue listening, so maybe next time we will introduce a little bit of spice. Uh, That's a little teaser for you. We have done a bit of video action, if you pardon the phrase, and so you will be able to see what lovely faces we have. If you follow our company page on LinkedIn, you will be able to see that teaser and and the link to the video. But in the meantime, yeah, we've heard about Jeremy Hunt and his pension reforms. I totally agree with the lads. That's absolute nonsense, but it's the same old, same old. We'll just have to keep our fingers crossed that life gets better, and I'm sure it will. We continue to tread a a familiar path, and hand on heart, I think that works. So please continue listening, tell all your friends, and watch out for the video. This material shouldn't be considered as advice or an investment recommendation. You should consult an advisor regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority prior to making investment decisions. All investments carry a degree of risk. The value of any investment or income received from it can go up as well as down and you may not get back the amount invested. Information recorded within this podcast was accurate at the time of recording.